the first thing I always say, breathe. Okay, yes, you are doing a lot. This is truly where you are the bottleneck. You thought you knew where you were the bottleneck before and why you were so busy. Now you actually know what's going on and now we can do something about it. You're listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who want to escape the day-to-day grind while scaling their business to seven figures and beyond. And now your hosts, Brianne Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. Last time, we spent quite a bit of time talking about the business model side of scaling and the importance of a core offer and you know do you have a core offer that's worth trying to scale have you picked the right core offer that kind of stuff and today we're going to take that a next level deeper right yeah exactly so we're going to be looking actually inside the core offer and saying hey what's actually going on here and this is actually one of my favorite parts of doing this whole process because we don't know all of the things that we know and we just do And so it's really easy to not recognize all the things that we do in our core offer. And getting it on paper is such an interesting experience. I really want to encourage you to go through and do this exercise for yourself, because I think it's one of the most revealing exercises when it comes to figuring out why your business has felt unscalable to date, and then, of course, what to do about it. But I want to actually go into that question of why this is important to do, Jill. And I, I want to hear from you. You talked a little bit about it's going inside the offer. It shows you things you haven't seen before, helps you deal with curse of expertise. But at the end of the day, why is it so important to do this analysis and not just assume you know where the bottlenecks are? So why is it so important? Honestly, if you don't know what's broken, you can't fix it. Okay. but people are going to assume that they do know that it's broken yeah it it depends on on the bottleneck it depends on the offer it depends on a lot of different things and so the big thing for me is that there's so many different factors involved in making or ensuring that you have a scalable business model and before you can even think about how you want to make it scalable you have to know what's going on inside of it to figure out what changes and what dials you need to do. Like you can think, yes, I'm the bottleneck, but where are you the bottleneck? What's causing the bottleneck? Is it that your workload is too much? Is it that you are waiting on people to give you things? Is it that you are stuck doing all of the delivery work? What Mm -hmm. is it that's causing that to be the problem? And until you uncover that, you can't actually go forward and make any changes. A lot of times, because we're so close to our process and because we're so close to the work that we do, we can't see the forest for the trees. We can't actually see how much is going on and how many moving pieces there are. And I'm reminded of the book, The Goal, and I'm not going to try and pronounce the author's last name because I I will certainly mess it up. But in The Goal, it's, it's a classic business fable and it's talking in a manufacturing setting about identifying bottlenecks and increasing profitability and that sort of thing. The point of a bottleneck isn't to eliminate it. You will always have a bottleneck because the definition of a bottleneck is the point in a system where things move through it most slowly. There's always going to be parts to your process where things move most slowly. And so the point of a bottleneck isn't to eliminate it. That's impossible. The point of the bottleneck is actually in the words of 
the book, the goal is to exploit it, which means to optimize your system and optimize your delivery around that bottleneck so that everything can continue to flow. And as Joel said, work doesn't pile up. Let's actually talk about how you do this, what the process is. And Jill, since you're the one that usually walks our clients <laughs> through this, I'm just going to turn it over to you. How do we do this? So the very first thing is to take that core process and to break it down into themes. And then why you've got themes then into steps. And so I have a question that, that comes off quite often. Actually, I think it was the, you were the very first one to ask me this because I, I had talked to you about breaking it down into themes first. And you're like, why themes? Why do we need to do the route before we get into the turn by turn? Outlining the route will help you determine and make sure that the overall steps that you're looking at taking are actually the ones that are going to lead you to the first victory. As we build these processes, these services, we need to find the most direct result for our clients to get from where they are to where they want to be, to that first victory. And for a lot of our clients, maybe they have a year-long program, and they discover that their first victory happens three months in, and so they're going to create a front-end offer, which is the first three months of what had been a really big program. If our only goal is getting someone to the first victory, do we need to actually do all the bits and pieces that we've been doing or are some of those setting up for later stuff, which we don't actually need because we've refined what the outcome is. And that's where the themes and the steps are important. Yeah. And for many people, when they're coming through this process, they don't actually have necessarily a core process, an offer officially defined. It's often up in their heads. And so for many people, getting it out of your head and getting it downloaded from your brain, the very first step to make that a little bit easier, just to collate everything together, is to look at things from a perspective of themes, from a perspective of route. So the first thing here is you map out your journey to the first victory and you say, what are the maybe five to eight kind of key milestones or key things that they have to go through at a high level to get from where they are to where they want to be? And then once you've got those themes, then we go and we turn it into the turn by turn. At that point, then we start breaking it down into the steps. This is always the thing that I find most people get a little bit conflicted about. Because when we're talking about steps, for a lot of people, we ask them, well, write out each step that happens that you take your clients through in this theme. And quite often, for most people, when they think about a step, they end up with, I had a call. Yeah, so let's take an example. Uh, a client bought, so I'm going to do the onboarding step, right? Maybe I have an onboarding part to my process. That's the first theme I'm going to work on. And so the first thing that happens is that there's an onboarding call or an orientation call. And the thing of it is, though, is that an orientation call is more than just a call. You will mm. discuss any number of different things when you go through there. You may discuss logistics. You may discuss background. You may uh, interview them and have a discovery phase, right? Any number of topics can be discussed. And each of those topics actually needs to be put down as a step, if you don't have all of those things, how can anyone know if they were looking at this, what actually happens in an onboarding call, right? In the right. end, this document that you put together, you should be able to take this document and hand it over to a new team member and say, this is how we deliver our offer. And mm -hmm. they should be able to follow it with no problems. We need to write down both what happens from the business's perspective. So what happens on our end? And this isn't just stuff that we do. This is stuff that happens automatically. So a contract gets sent or they get signed up for an email automation, right? What are all the things that happen from our perspective? And then also 
what it happens from the client's perspective. What happens that maybe they do that we're not actively involved with? What do they see? What do they experience? And so unless you know in detail what, as you said, all of those stages are, you're not going to be able to optimize that journey. Now, I want to ask a follow-up question to that, though, which is how deep is too deep, right? Because I can see some people now saying they're going to do their orientation call, and the question becomes, well, do I have to write down every question? Like, this is going to be so tedious. It's going to take me forever to try and do this. So what's the too far side of this? Yeah, exactly. So it's not every question, but it's topic-based. So when you're asking a series of questions, they're all related to get a certain level of output. And it's that Mm -hmm. that you're looking to track. So it is very much like, when do you change topics? Like when you change direction as you're driving. So I think usually when we're working with this for clients, the other way that I like to tell them how much detail is the right amount of detail is I actually tell them to set the amount of time that they want to spend on the exercise and then go as deep as that amount of time will allow them. Because if this is something that you can go through and you can map out your entire core process for all of your themes in the appropriate level of detail or what you think is the appropriate level of detail, and you've done that in 30 minutes, you probably haven't gone deep enough. Mm -hmm. If it's taking you three hours, four hours, five hours, you're probably going too deep. If you're in that maybe 90 minute zone, then you're starting to hit the right level of depth. And one good tip here is that those 90 minutes don't always necessarily need to be filled by you. This is something where you can invite your team members, right? These are the stages. Let them do the first draft or simply talk it out with them and have them write down and ask you these questions. That's actually one of the best ways to do it is with your team because it gives them the opportunity to have some input. They are going to see things that you don't. Sometimes they can ask questions that you don't even think about. I was actually just on a call this morning onboarding one of our clients and there's a number of her pieces that she's actually transitioned ownership over to her team. So she has no idea what they're doing. So she has to go and ask them, what is it that you do at this level? But regardless of how you get that information, the key place to start with this is you, you get your themes, you figure out what those major milestones are on the journey to the first victory, and then you do the turn by turn. What are the steps that it takes to get there, whether it's a step that you take or someone on your teams take, whether it's a step that the client takes, whether it's something that happens automatically, what are all the pieces that flow in together? Exactly. And so once you have that, then you can proceed on to the next piece. And that next piece is looking at this from a perspective of value. Now, Mm -hmm. specifically, we actually want to be looking at this from two different perspectives of value. Because Mm -hmm. as Brianne was talking about earlier, uh, when we were looking at the level of detail, it's not just enough to look at this from a perspective of what is the value to the business. We also need to look at it from the perspective of the client. And this really goes back to what we talked about early on in a previous episode, which was ultimately your model and your delivery model in particular is about the intersection of results and profit and making sure that those two things work together. Because it's very easy to end up with a delivery model, for example, that is highly profitable and doesn't get results, right? It's very valuable to the business. It's not very valuable to the client. So the mega courses where thousands of people get enrolled or the membership sites where 
there's really not much going on in them. And year after year, people are just in the same place. They're not making progress toward their goals might be very profitable, but the results just aren't there. On the flip side, you can have a business that's really great at getting results, really good in terms of value to the client, but the profit margins are so thin that there's no ability for the business to grow. And this is where this assessment comes in terms of value. We're looking at how value is exchanged. How does the client get results and how does the business get profit? Yeah. And then so where that ends up and where we end up leading this too is you want to find the balance that gives you the maximum amount of value to the client at the maximum amount of profit to the business and finding right. that balance point. And so that leads to the question, okay, what does value to the client even look like? How do I even know that something is valuable to the client? And I think when you're looking at this, it's really important to remember that we're measuring value on a step level basis, right? Those things that you just went through and it felt tedious to spend 90 minutes listing all of those out. <laughs> what we want to do is we want to look at each of those items individually and essentially ask ourselves three questions. And the first question is, is this step vital to the client's success? Could they get the result without doing this? Is it possible that they're going to be able to get the result if they skip this, if they don't do it, what would happen? And that's actually the easiest way to say it. If I took the step out, would they still be able to get the result? Yeah. And what's interesting for me is the very first answer that most everyone gives to this question is, of course it's vital. Because that's why I put it in. That's why I put it in. But at the same time, not everything actually is. It's easy for us, especially because our business is our baby, our offer is our baby, we've put a lot of effort into this. It's easy for us to say, of course it's valuable. But when you actually drill down into it and you think about how much value, whether or not they actually need to accomplish this, it becomes a lot clearer over time to see that it's not. Well, I think, again, the question here isn't, is it valuable? It's, is it vital? vital. Exactly. Because one of the things to consider is that your clients are paying you to have the most efficient, effective path to their result. And remember, the result is the first victory. So the question you're asking yourself is, could they achieve that first victory without doing this particular step? Or if this step didn't happen, could they still get the victory? Mm -hmm. And exactly. then we can start to layer on two questions because that's not the only question, right? It's not pass fail here. It's, is it vital to success? Does it get used elsewhere in the journey? So they do an exercise. Does it actually get used elsewhere? I can't tell you the number of programs I've taken where we do an exercise <laughs> and they say, you'll use this later and, and later never, never comes. It's auditing and going through and saying, does this get used elsewhere? And then the third component is, does it feel worthwhile to the client? Is this feeling like something that is useful to them? And often people will say, well, I don't know what the answer is. And the example I often give about this one is this exact process of going through and, and creating what we call it the value map, going through creating the themes, putting the steps together, doing the value of the business and the value to the, the customer. Because for a lot of people, they find it, as you said earlier, tedious or intense. Mm -hmm right? Time consuming, really challenging. And yet pretty much I'd say 99% of the people that go through it have told me afterwards, but it was so valuable. It was so mm -hmm. worthwhile doing it because it opened up my eyes to so mm -hmm. many things. So and when we're talking about value to the client, ultimately we're talking about is, is it vital to their success? 
Does it get used elsewhere? And does it feel worthwhile? And you can score this. As I said before, the offer is our baby. We've put a lot of time and effort into it. And it's hard for us to really be true to the audit itself. We don't want things to be read. We want it to be all green. We want to see it be uber successful. And that there is obviously nothing that needs to be adjusted, but that's that's not the case. Well, right? it does a disservice to the process because you're not going to find ways to make things better if you go into it with the assumption that everything is great. Yeah. And we see that as well when we look at the value to the business side, which is the second side of the equation that we really need to be assessing and auditing our process based on, which is not just, is it valuable to the client, but is it valuable to the business? And this is a place where people really struggle to be able to determine how do I even know if it's valuable to the business? Again, here we have kind of three questions that you can consider. Yeah, exactly. And because the reason people, one of the reasons people struggle so much is that it's hard to tie so many of these steps directly into return on investment and money making and sales. And so that's where these questions come really in handy. So the very first one that we like to talk about, similar to one of the ones in the client perspective, but slightly changed, is this step used elsewhere in the business? And by that, mm -hmm. we're talking like not necessarily in the offer itself, but in other teams, like for example, a customer testimonial, are you using as feedback to feed into improving the process later? Those kinds of things. A classic example here is in the academy, we do a graduation call. Now, the graduation call is valuable to the clients because it gives them an opportunity to synthesize what they've learned. And for our perspective, it's a dual purpose because, of course, the graduation call provides great video footage for us of the things they learned. It provides insights about how they were able to apply our process. Sometimes we use that in marketing. Sometimes we use that. I've used graduation calls with future clients to say, hey, so-and-so was having a similar challenge. Why don't you go watch this section of their graduation call because they explained how they tackled it. Now, Jill, you've told me that most people, when they do this, they say, well, of course I use it elsewhere in the business. And you ask them one question every time. What is that question? The question is where? Where do you use it? Tell me exactly <laughs> where and how you use this information that you use elsewhere in the business. It's not bad if the answer is we don't use it anywhere else. That doesn't make it intrinsically a flawed part of your process and it doesn't mean it shouldn't be there. It just means that maybe there's an opportunity to make more of it, to use it elsewhere or to make it multi-purpose down the road. It's just an audit. It's not about good, bad, or wrong. And that's especially important when we look at the next question when you're doing this value to the business assessment, which is, does this step further your values as a company? Yeah, exactly. Because if it's not furthering your values, if it's not in alignment with your values, why are you even doing it? You want to be working in integrity with mm -hmm. who you are and who you want the business to be and who you want that to come across as. Yeah. And if you have something that is inherently at odds with mm -hmm. those values, then those values actually aren't your values. I think there are measures of degrees here, right? Because one thing that could be a value and, and probably is a value for people who are listening to this podcast is something around an expression of diversity, of equity, of inclusion, of social justice. And what I notice is that, you know, people will have a video. When we ask about values alignment, one of the questions to consider is, is this a closed captioned video? 
Do you have transcripts available? How are you demonstrating your value for equity, for accessibility through this particular piece of the puzzle? Yeah, and and that's a really good thing to point out is that it is a spectrum. It's a dial too that can be adjusted. That's why it's not a judgment. It's it is literally just an audit, just a review of where is it at? Yeah. And, and so, so then the third question of is this valuable to the business in terms of profit? The way we measure that is with time. That's right. And basically, is this worth the time required? Is this worth the time required from the team's perspective? Is it worth the time required from the customer's perspective? Because sometimes the time required for the customer impacts the time required for the team. If you give them a really big project to be working on and they have to go and spend two weeks on it, that's two weeks where your team is sitting around. Is that worthwhile? So again, in the value to the business equation, what we're really looking at, is this integral to the business's ability to generate profit and results? Is it used elsewhere in the business? Is it aligned with the values? Or maybe even, is it furthering your values? And is it worth the time that gets invested to make it happen? Quite often, I see a lot of people go, everything's red. Mm -hmm. You're being too hard on yourself if everything's red. There's, got to be, there's likely at least some yellow, if not a fair bit of green, hiding in there somewhere. That's when you kind of need to take a step back. Maybe you've gone too granular in mm-hmm. your steps. Same thing on the opposite side. If you're seeing a whole ton of green, it's time to peel back a layer and go down another level and look at it from a deeper perspective. I, I think the, the guideline that I kind of use when I'm looking at this is about a quarter of the things to be read a quarter of them to be green and 50% of them to be yellow. Like if you're a metrics person like I am and you're really trying to think, am I being too hard on myself or am I being too easy on my process? Those are the guidelines that I usually shoot for. Does that match with what you usually see, Jill? Yeah, generally speaking. The other thing that can come up sometimes is that there's the question of, is it actually, I, I can't figure out if it's valuable or not. There's too many pieces in here. It's hard to determine if it is valuable because I, I just can't put a number on it. I can't put a word to it. Oftentimes when that comes up, that means that you haven't broken your step down enough. You haven't actually pulled out those topics. You haven't pulled out the what behind or the any mm-hmm. of those details. And so if you notice that happening, go back, fill in a couple steps, pull out a couple things. And what you may discover as you go through this is that some of the things that are valuable to the client are not really valuable to the business or vice versa. But even more than that, I think what gets people when they do this exercise is they realize just how much (laughs) is going on and further to that, just how much they are personally involved in the depth and the weeds and the details of this product delivery. I can't count how many times I've had people come to me and just go, whoa. <laughs> like, seriously, and some, it's funny. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's a good whoa, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's like a freak out because it's like, <laughs> this is impossible. There's no way I am so integral to every single piece of this. And without giving away what we're going to talk about in our next episode, how do you coach someone through that, Jill, in that moment where they're like, there is so much going on. I am so integral to this. There's no way it can scale. What do you actually say to them to help break through that loop that we can get into? Well, the first thing I always say, breathe. Yeah, take a deep breath. Take a deep I can breath. probably channel Jill, and I have, and sometimes with clients I would say, Jill would say, breathe. 
Exactly. Because often what ends up happening is we see that and we do get that panic response of, oh my goodness, how I can't, there's no way anything along those lines. And it's a spin cycle that we just get involved in. And so the very first step of breaking that always is just to take a step, stop for a moment and breathe. Yeah. After that, it's then a conversation of going, okay, yes, you are doing a lot. And that's okay. Well, welcome to why we're here having this conversation, because this is truly where you are the bottleneck. You thought you knew where you were the bottleneck before and why you were so busy. Now you actually know what's going on. And now we can do something about it. Exactly. Before you had this nebulous idea that, quote unquote, I'm the bottleneck. But you wouldn't be able to fully articulate what that bottleneck looked like. Now Mm -hmm. you can, and that's almost what's so overwhelming about it because it's got all of these pieces involved. And what I also find is when people are looking at this, and I've had this experience as well as I go through this, the instinct is to just start changing everything, to start blowing it up, (laughs) to say that, I mean, I I will fully admit when I see a problem, I want to jump in there and I don't want to just fix the problem. I want to blow the whole thing up and rebuild it from scratch. I never would have guessed. (laughs) we go into this all or nothing place, right? Where it's all awful. It all needs to change. I need to fix all of these things. And from my perspective, it's not about changing all of the things. It's about discerning the nuance of what specifically is going to make the biggest impact because you might be able to make a really small change in one area and it's going to have ripple effects Mm -hmm. that go through and impact so many other areas of the business. And I, I know that next time we're going to talk about specifically examples of what those specific things are that you can do. We've got some characteristics of the types of things you can do. But this idea of it's not all or nothing is something that is so vital, not just when you're doing this value map and this core process, but when you're looking to build a scalable business as a whole. That's exactly it. And that's that touches on the best part of what all of this comes to do is that comes to tell you how to fix all of these pieces. And that's what we're going to be talking about in our next episode. We're talking about scalability and creating that in what we call the high value hybrid. And what's interesting about the high value hybrid, and we talked about this a little bit earlier about it's not black or white. The high value hybrid is built around this idea, this technique of what we call the three, three dials. And will really play along with this whole concept of being on a spectrum and making these tiny adjustments that you can lever and leverage out the most amount of impact and most amount of change you can. And yeah, we'll, so that you can find the right changes, not the most changes, to actually be able to have the impact. And, and then can I tell them about the other thing we're going to say on the next episode, because it's my favorite thing? Okay, I will let you that. <laughs> on the next episode, we're also going to introduce one of my favorite, absolute favorite ways of scaling a business. It's called cohorting. It works for service businesses. It works for agencies. It works for coaches. It works for group programs. It works for courses. I have not met a kind of online business that the simple concept of cohorting, it's usually the fastest thing to implement and it's usually the biggest game changer. And we're going to talk about that on our next episode. But, you know, before we get through that, let's quickly recap what we went through today so that people can do this part of the process. And then we'll let you get on with whatever you've got coming up next on your day. So Jill, take us through the process from that high level one more time. Okay. So to start off with, you're going to be going through that core process. You're going to write down the themes 
involved in that core process. And we talked about the route. And then you're going to take that route and you're going to break it down into steps. And we want to get those steps fairly detailed so that what topics you're talking about and how those are getting delivered. Once you've written all of that down and maybe you've brought your team in to help you get that out of your brain and onto paper, you're going to start evaluating what the value to the business and the value to the client is for each of those steps by asking those three questions that we talked about in the episode. And then next time we'll talk about how to fix all of those things and how to make it scalable such that you're going to be able to take that step back. It's not going to all rely on you and that panicked kind of response that you might have happened it'll all feel like a weight has just been lifted off of your shoulders so if you're following along and you took my direction off the top to go ahead and go through this and do this exercise for yourself or if you're going to between now and when you listen to the next episode set aside 90 minutes or so write down your steps do the value to the business do the value to the client color code it if you want and then we'll see you next time to talk about how to fix it next time on the visionary ceo podcast Thanks for listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, hosted and produced by Brian Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. For more information about anything you've heard on the show, visit us on the web at visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast. You can keep the conversation going on social media too. Just use the hashtag Visionary CEO Podcast. This has been a Podcast Taxi radio production for the Visionary CEO Academy. Hey, it's Brianne here. I just wanted to let you know that everything we're talking about in today's episode is part of what we do with clients at the Visionary CEO Academy. We've got a great program for strategists, coaches, and other online business owners that helps you scale from low or mid six figures to seven figures and beyond quickly, sustainably, and profitably. But most importantly, while keeping your values and your vision front and center. So whenever you're ready, just head on over to visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast for more info and to get started.